Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily. News, views and opinions on the English Premier League every single day of the week for every single day of the season. So if you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and that way you won't ever miss another episode again. On today's podcast, we'll dive a little deeper into the big verdict that was delivered yesterday. Manchester City will be playing Champions League football next season. Their two-year European ban dished out by UEFA has been overturned. The club exonerated of all charges... But how do fans feel about it and what will that mean for City moving forward? On the other side of Manchester, United couldn't capitalise on a Chelsea and Leicester slip up to move into a top four spot. A late leveller from Southampton, a damaging blow, especially with Chelsea hosting already relegated Norwich this evening. We'll discuss both of those games here on Football Social Daily and we'll do that in the company of Natalie Pavlek. Hello, Nat. Hello, Niall, love. You okay? I'm well. It's good to hear you on the show again. It's been a couple of weeks, but it's good to get you back on. It's been uh, a busy few weeks, hasn't it? Exactly. I'm sure you're a very happy City fan. (laughs) And to contrast that, we've got a grumpy United fan in the studio. I'm not too grumpy. Listen, I'm not too grumpy. You're just lacking on sleep. Joe McGrath's here. You've got a dog, Joe. Yeah, I've got a dog called Buck. Uh, United are on a winning streak since I've got him, so... uh, didn't fancy, yeah, didn't, 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 didn't fancy barking last night uh, too old, but, uh, no uh, yeah I've got a dog he's keeping me up at night but I'm ready to sort football could have called him Bruno talk. or Fernandez or something you know I know I should have called him inspired that. an inspired yeah. name change Joe I've got a dog and it's called Sergio that's because I'm a real City fan uh, well <laughs> do you know what I'd say the dog was already had a name because we rescued the little fella from a place in Eccles oh, uh, he's also that. Bosnian if anyone knows any Bosnian I was thinking, Eddie what the Jekko. most famous Jeko? <laughs> like my mum, who is sitting from, wanted us to call him Jeko, but he won't respond to anything but book. So, uh, so Jeko was a close second. I would have actually called him Jeko because Beg- I think it's a cool name. Begovic is uh, Begovic, yeah, famous Bosnian Begins with players. B. You might, you might, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Give it a go, Joe. Come back in the next podcast and tell us how you get on. I'm Niall McCorn. Let's get started on today's podcast. And I did want to start at the Court of Arbitration for Sport, where Manchester City have won their appeal against UEFA. 
The club's executive said that they were going to take this case head on and they were going to tackle it hard. And that's exactly what they've done. They've got the result they wanted. A two-year UEFA ban dished out by UEFA, who, as Jim said on yesterday's show, were the judge, jury and executioner. And I think that's what kind of got City fans' backs up. They've been exonerated of all charges and they secured second spot on Sunday. So they will be playing Champions League football next season. We did cover this on yesterday's podcast, but we can talk a little more about it today because it is such a big story. And I want to know, especially from you, Nat, what it means to the fans, because there were lots of concerns about the players possibly leaving if City don't get into the Champions League this season. I mean, there was a lot of joyous kind of narrative on social media and Twitter, especially yesterday. So how do you feel firstly about the decision? Oh, Twitter was fun yesterday, wasn't it? Oh, it was like Christmas Day all over. Do you know what I was about to say? It was Nat's Christmas yesterday because I was following what Nat was saying. She was loving it. I was like, oh, this Twitter's not for me today. I was loving life yesterday. Yeah, it was um, a very fun place to do to be on Twitter yesterday. The amount of fans of other clubs that were having full-on breakdowns over this um, and the sort of pettiness that was coming out of it was was lovely. Um, but yes, I think, you know, we've had a day kind of to sit and to think about it properly. And yesterday, I think I was probably just a bit giddy. Today, I've kind of been able to sit in and actually sort of take it in and realise how genuinely huge this is for our club, but also for football and anybody that is not a fan of United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool in this country should also be celebrating alongside us because this this basically says everybody you still have a chance you can still be up there you can be you know you can get in the Champions League you can become one of the elite teams they they've tried to stop us and they can't um so it was you know it's a really huge a really really huge result and in mm. terms of the players um i think a two-year ban if that was upheld we would have been very nervous about the players i think most of us were thinking it was going to be a one year we were thinking they'd half it and in that case i think we would have seen um kevin de bruyne and raheem sterling stay with the club essentially mm-hmm. um but obviously now with the you know being with you know being found totally innocent um it just means that we can go out there we can strengthen the squad we can pick up some of the world class players obviously that we're looking at and then um, you know come back next season even stronger but and, and saying that it makes it sound like this season's over it's not we're still in the champions league and wouldn't it just be the greatest thing in the whole wide world mm-hmm. if we won the champions league this year oh my god uefa i don't i think they'd have steam coming out their ears well, Joe, I reckon he's going to have steam coming out of his ears as a United Me. fan. <laughs> you know, I'm not too fussed about it. I mean, it, it it was more of a laughing matter to start of something. Oh, they're going to get banned, and then where the players going to be? I think I think really true down. If I if I ask myself what I believe, I, I believe the players would have stuck with Pep Guardiola. I mm. believe that would be uh, the case uh, if they did get the ban. Uh, the one the two year ban does become a bit more tricky, but I, I believe the following season the players would have stuck with with Pep. You know what a strong leader can do and what a strong manager can do. And you can see that these players are enjoying themselves. I know they've got Champions League ambitions, but it will, it will, it would have come. So I wasn't too like when I saw the result, I was like, fair play. You know, obviously for if you're a United fan, you're thinking that fifth spot might be a Champions League spot. <laughs> and then you but then you're also thinking as a United fan, we shouldn't be trying to get into the Champions League off coming fifth. And it's also like with with our Europa League uh, ambitions as well. You know, if you win the Europa League, you're in the Champions League mm. spot. I, get top four that's what you've got to be to be a good club you've got to finish in the top four of the Premier League but fair play to see and I was asking the question beforehand to you Niall and just getting an understanding of it more I mean my question was was did these incredible lawyers that City have find a a loophole or, or is this generally the innocent Man City 
you know, sticking the V's up at UEFA and going, this rule that you've created, it means nothing now. And you've also didn't execute it in a proper way. And now it's just, you know, it means nothing. Uh, is not, what have you read up on that? Is that, is that the case? Like, what, what, what side of, of that uh, do you feel City, uh, City sort of did? Well, we're, we're completely and utterly innocent, Joe. That's what the, that's what the verdict is. And there's no, um, you know, I see jokes constantly around, of, you know, saying money talks. But as I've questioned people, what are you saying? That we bribed an independent panel of lawyers? That's absolutely ridiculous. CAS is a panel of three highly respected independent lawyers um, and they found us innocent. You know, they have said we did not. And I wish I'd got the um, the exact wording up, um, you know, that from the top of the appeal. And I might, you know, quickly try and Google it. We did not do what they said we did. And it's kind of as simple as that. And anybody that is trying to say anything otherwise is just going to come across as bitter or deluded. I mean, I suppose one of the questions are, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Do you actually care as a City fan? I know you say that you've been found completely innocent, but... Do you care more about the fact that you haven't been banned from the Champions League or do you care more about the fact that you're not guilty? I know they both go hand in hand, but certainly there were question marks over whether City had exploited a loophole. And if they had done that, that's surely more UEFA's problem than City's. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, you know, all I can repeat again is that we didn't. Whatever they said we did, we didn't do. You know, they they found that we did not do it. Um, you know, in terms of finding a loophole, um, I, we won't know, you know, until the entire CAS ruling comes out, the written ruling mm. um, in detail, we won't know anymore. Um, and if there is a loophole and we found it, then we still didn't break any laws. Like, the entire thing is is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. The entire thing is wound so many City fans up from the start because you have to remember that this has come from a place where somebody hacked our emails and that person is now under house arrest in Portugal waiting to be trialed. They hacked our emails and then UEFA used hacked emails to try and um, stop us being part of their elite group of football clubs is, is what it essentially comes down to because any, if anybody believes that FFP was genuinely set up to protect football, again, that mm. you know they're delusional. FFP could be a force of good. It really could. You know, we've seen the, you know, awful things that are going on at Wigan at the minute um, but it is not FFP in its current form has been set up to protect the elite group of football clubs um, to stop anybody else breaking into that and breaking up their little group um, and, and come on everybody's got to agree with that 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 is pretty much factual I understand um, what you're saying I mean it feels like and I think we had Martin Samuel the journalist on the podcast over a year ago when this sort of first sort of started bubbling away and simmering away and he said it really nicely in a sort of analogy that it's like you're stood on one side of a river and there's a drawbridge and that drawbridge is being pulled up and that drawbridge is FFP because once you're stranded on that side of the river there's no way to get across into that elite group of clubs on the other side as you say which I think is is a really good point and I, I agree I think FFP could be a force of good like you say I think it's been implemented wrongly one question that keeps being bandied around and I thought it was interesting to get your take on this why are City fans so happy about being in a competition that they all supposedly dislike that gives money to an organisation that they say that they hate in UEFA? Is it just kind of you're in it because you're in it and everyone else is in it? I mean, what's the kind of viewpoint there? The City dislike UEFA for a number of reasons. And honestly, you, sh you, know, you could do a podcast devoted to, to the reasons why. And I know that a lot of um, fans of other clubs might not know a, a lot of the reasons. There's, you know, there's, there's varying ones, FFP being one of them. Um, you know, the, the, the 
way that UEFA have treated some racist incidents is one of them. The fact mm. that um, when Yaya Turi was racially abused, um, UEFA didn't, we don't believe that UEFA did enough to, to combat that, did enough to punish that. Um, you know, in, in making CSK Moscow not allowed to have fans in the ground that day, um, it, it punished City fans that had already booked tickets and flights and there ended up being three or 400 CSK Moscow fans in the ground. You could see on the TV cameras. There's numerous other reasons why City don't like UEFA. But having said that, because we don't like UEFA, what we just should say now, we're not going to take part in what is the biggest club football competition in Europe. No, in life, the best way to get back at your haters is to do well. The best thing for us to do is to get in the Champions League and to win it and then to dominate it. Because can you imagine how annoyed they would be? And also the only way of changing things in life, you know, and you, you know, politically or personally is to, to, to change it, you know, from the inside to get to get involved and to change it for the for the better um so city fans hate uefa but hey i'd love to win win their champions league yeah i think i think i'm we agree with that there I, I i know what you're saying i know what you're trying to trying to get at but the champions league it's it, not necessarily who who runs the champions league it's just that you've got to beat the best of the best to win it uh, and it's just a, a a big thing for a, a club to do so for for city fans going oh do we really want to do it it's a UEFA competition it's not about uefa take them out it's about beating the madrid's the barcelona's um, I was going to say the United. Um, it's about beating. It's about beating the big clubs and having that trophy. And let's just forget it's called the UEFA Champions League. Just call it the Champions League because you want to be the the champions. I mean, it's like England with Eurovision, the Great Britain with Eurovision, isn't it? Now your city, your your city, are like Great Britain in the Eurovision. You don't really want to win it, but you put a team in every every year, and you don't know right? where you're going to come. And I still love Eurovision. And I still love Eurovision as well. Yeah. Australia got into Eurovision somehow, so who knows? We who might knows? see like Sheffield United or Leicester or yeah, Wolves or something like that. Know. You don't never know. know. Anyway, that's enough about the court of arbitration for sport chat for now. City exonerated of all charges. All they've had to pay is a 10 million euro fine, which, in the grand concept of things, for what they get out oh, of God. the result, it's not the worst thing that they could pay. And I'm sure they. Could could afford to pay that anyway so Manchester City exonerated of all charges I'm sure we'll have a little bit more on that um, on the podcast over the coming days when we find out the exact ins and outs of the appeal which of course will be released in due course right then let's talk about the red half of the city if you can call it that there was a game that took place at Old Trafford last night Joe yeah a chance for Manchester United to get into the top four it was in their hands Leicester slipped up at the weekend Chelsea slipped up at the weekend Manchester United in unbelievable form and they couldn't get the job done. It finished 2-2 because Michael Oberfemi scored a last-minute equaliser for Southampton. How disappointed are you this morning about that result? Yeah, it was gutting, and it was a it was an interesting match. We didn't get we didn't kick off as I think we'd like to. Uh, we've started with the same lineup now for several games. I think that could do with a bit of a change, a bit of a shake up. But no way he's keeping it, and no way he's doing what he's doing. Uh, so just to you know prepare teams and prepare our starting eleven to be the best starting eleven it can be. So when we go up against the big clubs like we got Chelsea soon in the FA Cup, we got Leicester in the final day of the season. They will be the big games for United, and we. Need need to know that our starting 11 and our best 11 uh, can can work together and, and batter teams as we have been doing the last couple of games we we started off shaky and obviously Southampton to get the early goal 12 minutes in um, and I, I was really worried that this was going to be one of those moments you know you've seen uh, teams like Chelsea and Leicester get beat and I thought here we go this is it United Old Trafford it's all going to come crumbling um, but two really good goals from Rashford and Martial and mm. Martial's goal He's just really growing into that number nine now. The confidence he had of taking the ball, turning a player, getting into the box and having a shot. Because you've, you've criticised him on the podcast I've criticised Martial. And he looks I, like he has improved yeah. since lockdown. I think Martial was a, a, a 
I wouldn't say weak, but he was he was a below average player who who would took if he didn't have a good run at a defender, it would kind of ruin his game. So say for example, I watched him in the first twenty minutes. If stuff wasn't going his way, it would reflect the mood for the next ninety minutes. Whereas if, if he tries stuff now and he knows he's got quite a good squad around him, he doesn't let that ba- uh, beat him down as much. And I've seen him attack defenders. Defenders go, no, you're all right. Move the ball, clear it away. But now he just keeps on at, at them and at them and at them. And he, he finds himself in great positions and he finds that confidence in him to have that shot last night, which was, you know, it, it was a tricky shot, but he got it in the back of the net. And it was great for Rashford to get on the team, uh, the, the, uh, the goal scoring sheet as well. We could have got the third one. We should have really got the third one before half time. And that hopefully would have been that sort of breath of fresh air that we needed to sort of maybe bring a couple of players off, you know, use the substitutes that we've got on the bench uh, and sort of finish the game. But we didn't. And uh, it was a... a defence hasn't really been under scrutiny um, for a long time just because our attack has been sort of stealing the limelight. But you do question, you know, who's in charge in the box for the final goal. You know, Lindelof, Maguire, what, what was their communication? You know, you know, you know, it's the 96 minute. You, you're 2-1 up. It's not game over yet. And why wasn't, you know, there's some leadership inside that box, which then just sort of crumbled and allowed Southampton to score that 2-2. So I'm hoping that this is just a blip, get a draw, and we're back on it soon. But in fairness, that quick turnaround of, you know, going 1-0 down and then scoring two goals in three minutes, it, it's not like United to, to do that. Not in recent me. years. Anyway. Not in recent years. No. So uh, I was watching it and then, you know, we were 1-0 down. I think, here we go. You know, we might scrap a, a draw by the end of the game, but you blink and you miss it. You go for a wee and it's 2-1. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, wow, the, the game's changed. That's not the United way for the last four or five years. So I'm hoping that the players don't get too beaten up about it. I want Solskjaer maybe to have a bit of a mix-up in the midfield. Let's put McTominay on. We're going to have to move Shaw because Shaw's got to pick a bit of a knock. So who do we play there? Mm. Um, and we have a bit of a bit of a more of a go at it um, uh, our next game, and, and hopefully that Champions League spot is still is still there yeah. for us. I think it will be Joe, and you know, I think United knew they needed to win to move up into third. A draw isn't a dreadful result. You're still getting points, and you're still banging the race for top four. But I mean. You'll know, Nat, as a City fan, being in pole position and having it in your hands is a huge advantage, particularly when it gets tight towards the end of the season. Yeah, and I think you're, you're fortunate um, that it is still in your hands. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm talking like it's, I'm talking to you, Joe. United are fortunate yeah. <laughs> that it's still in their hands, obviously, because they play Leicester on the last day of the season. So win your last three games and you qualify for the Champions League. And I, you know, I don't mean it in any any disrespectful way to say that would be huge for United this season. Mm. You know, that would that would. I think would surpass expectations at the start of the season. If they finish in the Europa League spot in fifth, I think that is kind of the minimum of what they were expecting. It's tricky, you know, to happen. It's tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hold on a minute. I thought you guys loved the Europa League, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, we love it. We'll win it this year, obviously. So that's a Champions League spot. (laughs) Thursday, Sunday's next season for you, Joe. Yes, um, God. I know. I know you get that now. Yeah, the fifth would be. Would we we'd have taken fifth? I'd have said in December when we were getting battered all over the place. Now it's more almost more of a disappointment. And if I said this yesterday: get, if you but, don't get top four yeah. because of the form you're in, the way your players are playing. I mean, the way that Fernandez has come in and <clears throat> basically turned Manchester United on its head. Pogba's back playing all right, even though he made a mistake last night. Yeah, he did. But I did notice that when those two players came off, 
United kind of stopped ticking. It, mm-hmm. it, it felt like it, it was kind of almost exclusively on those two players. Now, the great United teams and what makes them so successful and arguably what makes the modern football team successful is to have strength in depth and have players that when one player is missing, because Fernandes and Pogba, as good as they are, they're not going to be able to play every game. Someone's going to get injured, suspended or miss a game for whatever reason. So you're going to need someone to come in and replace them, which is what Manchester United had years yeah. ago. They had such good strength and depth. So does it show that there's still work to be done in the transfer market and just trying to get a solid squad together? Yeah, there was a little rumour going around that Solskjaer uh, may have said to Woodward that this isn't squad complete now. You don't close your checkbook. Uh, there, there's got to be a couple more signings in the summer for us to... to I won't say we're going to compete next year, but we'll, hopefully we'll be a comfortable top four next year uh, and we won't be in a stage like this where we're worrying. I'd like to think this time next year, with 35 games gone, we've got ourselves a Champions League spot and that's not like to be worried about. I, I don't think we're going to push for the title yet next year. Um, I still think he's a long way to go, um, but you know, I, I see, I see the Bruno Fernandez thing, uh, Pogba Fernandez thing. We're coming quite dependent on Fernandez, <laughs> like, like you really coming quite dependent on him. And I really need, you know, Solskjaer to look at the possibility of him picking up a knock and us going back to square one. And you know, you you you're relying on Fred to lead the line. Now Fred's been all right, but he's he's not the Fernandez type of player. We we can, we can have confidence about the way United are moving forward. I think. I'd like to see us uh, face a big team soon. Since the restart, uh, you know, we Tottenham, uh, but um, we've played mm. what, all, Sheffield, all sort of bottom half. Sheffield United, yeah. Norwich, Brighton, Bournemouth, at Villa, uh, Southampton, and then we've got Palace, uh, West Ham, and Leicester. So we've not played a big team yet. I'd say the last big. Well, you've team. got your FA Cup semi final, haven't you, against Chelsea? That that that's yeah, that'd a big be cup. that'd be a yeah. big test. That'd be a big test. I mean, the last big team we played, we won. So, you know, 8th of March, Scott McTominay scored <laughs> an unbelievable goal. Man, I, I, remember when, you know. I remember when beating our nearest rivals was the highlight <laughs> oh, of our go. season yeah. too. You don't have any of this season, do you? Uh, but yeah, so hopefully we'll, we, we will beat Chelsea and then that will give us a nice little uh, build-up. We'll probably meet City in the final. Uh, nice little build-up to West Ham and then Leicester. Uh, if we get Champions League spot in an FA Cup final, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, Even I mean you can't t- you can't turn your nose up at that, you no, know. Can't you, turn you, nose especially up. after the start to the season yes. that United had, like you say. And I know this might have to come out of your mouth through gritted teeth, Nat, but a strong Manchester United it's good for the Premier League, I think. A competitive no! Manchester United. Hey, what do you mean? <laughs> no, it's 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 saying that right, we get you in the final, which you'd be nervous, wouldn't you? Oh, You'd yeah, be more nervous than a Chelsea. Yeah, let's not forget United haven't finished above us in the league since 2013. Like my kid wasn't even like conceived then, so um, <laughs> we're not. No, we're not looking over our shoulder at all. But no, Joe, I, seriously, I, I wouldn't want to play you in the FA Cup. Part of the problem with it is is the build up. Can you imagine going from next weekend all the way to like the first of August? Is it? I just the, I hate the build up. It causes me so much stress yeah, for yeah, weeks. Um, and then if something did happen and we did lose, it just it would cause me misery for weeks after as well. Um, but, you know, so no, I, w- I wouldn't really find... I'd rather play Chelsea in the um, in, in the FA Cup final should, should we get there, fingers crossed. Right, time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. But afterwards, we'll be talking about Chelsea and their game tonight against already relegated Norwich City. It's an 8.15pm kickoff. And Frank Lampard has also been saying something interesting. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. 
Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. This is your only daily Premier League podcast. Seven days a week, we focus exclusively on the English Premier League. We're the only podcast to do that. So make sure you hit subscribe and you won't miss another episode. Again, every single day of the season, and there's only a couple of weeks left of it now, we'll bring you a new show. So make sure you do hit that subscribe button. Right, tonight's game at Stamford Bridge sees Chelsea welcome Norwich City to West London. Norwich are already down, but does that make them more dangerous in a way, Nat? Do you feel that, you know, they, they've kind of, they've got nothing to play for. We all knew that they were going down, but does that make it even more of a banana skin for Chelsea? I mean, it could do, you know, it could, you could argue that the pressure's kind of off for them now. They they kind of know their fate and they, they can kind of play with a bit more freedom, you know, for some of the players that have premiership um, aspirations, they, you know, they're playing to show potential suitors, you know, that, they, that they're good enough. Um, you could also argue that they're, that they're on, you know, to use that old football cliche that they're already on the beach. Um, so, <laughs> so who knows? I think all in all, Chelsea have to win this game. Chelsea have got to be looking at this as, you know, as a three points. They need to, um, you know, finishing third for Chelsea this season, similar to, you know, to United, if they finish fourth would be huge, you know, you know, appointing Frank Lampard at the start of the season, you know, last season, having the transfer ban, you know, having to play so many of the youngsters at the start of the season. I I, I have a friend that's um, a Chelsea fan and at the start of the season, he, he basically described it as a free hit. He said, this season's a free hit for us. Whatever happens, you know, we've got one of our heroes in charge. So for them to finish third would be would be huge for them. So they have to be looking at this game as a three points and putting the pressure back on Leicester and United. Uh, and also, it's, I know you, we mentioned that Norwich is, is a nice little, little easier eye for them, but they've got Liverpool and Wolves of the final two games. And that's big two games for that. So this might be a little nice little three points for them. They're gonna, Liverpool still want to win. It's at Anfield. Are they picking up the trophy that day? Are they picking up the trophy that day, Liverpool? Not sure. I don't know. So, so, they're going so, for loads of our records, though, Joe, so they're going to want to yeah. win. So they're going to want to win. And Wolves is a tricky game as well. They'll want to put a bit of hiding against Chelsea. So, yeah, so Chelsea have got a big final three games. And they really, if they don't pick up points today against Norwich, they'll be stunned. Well, United have got Leicester on the last day of the season. Chelsea have got Wolves. So, I yeah. mean, it could be a real straight shootout really nice. for Champions League position. So we have to wait and see. Like you're saying, Joe, Chelsea have to win to get control of that top four again because they would have been looking at United's results and they would have been thinking, OK, these boys mean serious business now and we need to get our act together. So losing 3-0 to Sheffield United, I mean, Sheffield United have put some very decent teams away this season. You have to say they've done really well this campaign, but... Chelsea shouldn't be losing 3-0 to Sheffield United, regardless of how good the Blades have been. It's such a rollercoaster ride. I thought we had a rollercoaster ride as United fans. as like, oh, you'd turn up to one game, you'd absolutely beat them, mm-hmm. batter them, and then you'd get you know spanked by Norwich. But they're having it, and even them, there's like a big one in Blackpool. It's absolutely all over the place. Like They they <laughs> did so well at the start. You thought, you know, Lampard's got a grip on this team. He knows what he's playing. Uh, he, he knows his strengths, his weaknesses. He's got a grip on this side. And then they get beat by Sheffield. And it's like, come on, what, where's your head at, Lampard? What's going on? And I, I really don't know if he even knows what's going on. <laughs> He's like, what? I'd have been absolutely stunned by that result. So he needs to really make a bit of a statement tonight. Uh, he needs to get them firing again. And I think Lampard is a, is a good manager but he needs to prove himself. It would be unbelievable for them to get the top four. Mm. And I really don't think we should look past that. Uh, Chelsea often have these uh, uh, this ability to somehow get in really good spots. 
uh, in the Premier League when maybe pressure is off them in a way. Let's for example They've lost a lot of games. I know that, a lot of games. I always think about the time uh, with Pep's first season in the Premier League, Mourinho's first season managing United, Klopp was at Liverpool, and Conte went on to win the Premier League. And we, uh, you know what? On Chelsea, just have this ability to just do well in the Premier League. Maybe when pressure's off them, mm. there's no pressure on Conte to win that. Premier League title and, and they did, did it in it. style as and well he did it in style mm. there is no pressure for Lampard to get top four but he's third and he's got three big games and he could get Champions League football next season so fair play to Chelsea I don't know how they do it they sneak up there the spotlight's away from them but they're still you know grasping those really good high ups places in the Premier League mm. I wish United could bloody do that <laughs> it would be massive for Chelsea <laughs> if they did get in the in the top four um, they are facing a Norwich side tonight who as we say are already down they get a lot of credit for the way they play football now everyone says oh they play nice football I mean they beat Manchester City in September which was kind of the highlight of their season it yeah. never really kind of materialised yeah, for them after that <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest day in Norwich's history give them a break <laughs> I bet I bet it was <laughs> um but, you know, are they being given a bit of an easy ride because of how they play the game? It's not your usual kind of relegation team, but they've, they're cut adrift at the bottom. And Aston Villa and Bournemouth, for me, have been dreadful this season. And they're six, seven points adrift of those two teams. So does it just show how bad they've been this year? I mean, their defending's been shocking, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the fact that they beat us so early on in the season is perhaps disguised, um, you know, a lot, uh, you know, and given people reason to to be kind to them. But I mean, they're absolutely and utterly dreadful. Apart from when they play teams right at the top. I mean, some of the statistics in terms of them their relegation. You know, if they lose tonight, we're looking at the eighth consecutive league game um, for them to get beaten in a row, which is the first time in their entire history that that would happen. Wow. Um, you know, another in- incredible stat is that they've just taken six. They've taken six points out of a possible 51 points away from home this season scoring a league low of just seven goals you know that's insane as well um and oh another look at check me out on the stats today uh statman dave got nothing on me norwich (laughs) have lost all 21 of their premier league games when conceding first like they're just they they have been you know really dreadful and obviously that might be a bit bitter coming from me because obviously when they beat us it felt like it was the start of the the downfall of our premier league season (laughs) I thought that that victory over City was at uh, was at the Etihad, but I think it was at Carrow Road because then I would have said that City have given yes. Norwich twenty eight percent of their goals. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was away. Yeah. Yes. Thank my you. My maths was, mass was too it's too slow. It's too slow, and the joke is long gone uh, into the horizon. Um, oh, I've got what, another stat for you, Niall. Oh, go on, um, whack, whack it defeat, out. Go on. Here you go. Ready? Defeat against Chelsea would mean Norwich sustained twenty five losses in a single season for the first time in league football. Wow. wow. Oh, 25 okay. losses that in is a un- That is unbelievable, that, isn't it? <laughs> Just... Why are we saying that? Why, why, is, why have they got this praise? And where is it coming from? It's because like... they, they, they had the hardest start to the season, right? The first game of the season was a Friday night away at Anfield. And they scored first against Liverpool. I remember and that. Yeah, Liverpool, that and Pukie, so far away. Pookie scored, game. right. Pookie scored. And then he scored again in the next game. They lost the Liverpool game 4-1. Then he scored again. Then he scored again. And they got a couple of draws. And then they beat Manchester City. And I think because of the style, I just genuinely think it's because they don't smash it long up to Pookie. Right, they don't yeah. do what Burnley do. But if you look at what Sean Dyche has done with Burnley, they're knocking around the Europa League places, playing this long ball stuff. And Norwich can play all this intricate stuff, but if you don't have the players to compete in the Premier League, you're going to get found out. Yeah. I think that's and what's Pookie happened hasn't, to Yeah, and Pookie hasn't scored now, what was it, since like January or something? Yeah. I mean, they've relied on him a lot, haven't they? And I do think that 
you know, this Norwich team will be pulled apart in the summer because they do have some good players that I think with a bit of extra coaching and in a better environment around better players could be really decent Premier League players yeah. in future. They've got some good young talent there. But enough about Norwich. Let's talk about Chelsea and what Frank Lampard's been saying. Frank Lampard, Nat, said experience is overrated when talking about his players. Now, Joe's mentioned the fact that, you know, that, that some of the young players they've got have still managed to get them into the, the top four spaces as it stands. But interesting coming from Lampard's mouth because he obviously played at West Ham when he was very young, made his debut as a teenager, went to Chelsea and he got loads of experience from a young age and he was often kind of given plaudits for how mature he was as a player. So do you think he's maybe speaking from experience himself when talking about experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and he's seen this this team with so many young players come on. You know, Tammy Abraham's been a revelation this season for them, you know, and hopefully for, for England going forward as well. Um, you know, from a City point of view, we've seen it with Phil Foden. Uh, he comes on the pitch and he stands next to some of the world's greatest players or arguably the world's greatest midfielder currently in Kevin De Bruyne. And he is so mature and he will come on, he'll control a game, he'll, t- you know, he, he, he looks like a, a man standing, you know, an equal standing next to them. Um, so, you know, absolutely, you know, you know, the enthusiasm, you know, of, of younger players to come on and play, I think, you know, certainly been, you've been shown this season. So I totally back him. However, you do obviously need a mix as well. You need a mixture of experience. You've got to have some experience in there as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, the way that the players that you've mentioned, Foden and the young players like Mount and Abraham, perhaps maybe not so much because he was playing championship football before, but the way that they've been integrated in the first team. And, you know, if you're going to learn off David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, if you feel Foden, you're going to you're going to pick up some tips and tricks, aren't you? You're going to end up a decent player. So that's the way it goes. Um but yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of their experience, Joe, Giroud and William, two experienced players, two players that many people said might not be at the club come next season. They've been absolutely vital for Chelsea since the restart because a lot of the goals that they've <coughs> scored have come through those two players. So it seems a bit weird for Lampard to go experience is overrated, yet the majority of their post-restart goals have been from Giroud and William, who are both experienced. Yeah, maybe it was just something he wants to say to, to give these young players a kick up the backside and go, this is it, I'm talking about you here. Go out and prove me right and go out and prove me that like you can be a Chelsea player for years to come. Um, but yeah, I, I know uh, the the experience of those players that William and and you did think that maybe, you know, they're on the back burner of leaving Chelsea. And I do think maybe next season when if Lombard's got a bit of money to spend, they might be made, uh, they might make way for other uh, talents coming to Chelsea. But you got to look at what they can bring and they can bring that little spark or they can bring that energy. And I do think experience is needed. Um, I, I mean, Nat's talking about uh, Foden learning off the best. Um, I do wish that, um, you know, we were bringing through Greenwood now at United. I do wish we had a, a maybe an older striker who, who could look after Greenwood a bit more. We've not. We've got Marshall and Rashford who are quite young in themselves. So mm. I, I I'd love a, a Rooney. I, I'd love a Zlatan. I'd even take a Nistelrooy. You know, someone who can... A Van Persie would have been perfect A Van Persie would have been perfect. Yeah. That experience can really guide you and, and, and give the players someone to look up to and go, I can be as good as this guy. Or, no, this guy does this that way. And I've been finding this a bit tricky and I've just seen him do this that way and I've found out his runs are, are better if he goes on the left and dips right. Do you know, there's lots of different things you can pick up from with someone who's done it for so long. It's in every career, that, isn't it, really? Yeah. Wherever you're doing it. Yeah. Um, so to learn off quite young people, I don't think Lampard's got a point there. I, I, I get that there is something you know quite new and exciting about a youngster finding its game and becoming a bit of a superstar in themselves. 
but you do need that sort of mentor to really make you world class, I think. And talking of mentors, Sir Alex Ferguson was in the stand watching the United mm-hmm. game last night and Solskjaer still says that he doesn't park in the boss's space as he calls it at Old Trafford and all this stuff, which I think is a little bit weird. But Frank Lampard's <laughs> quite... <laughs> why? Uh, why is why, it weird? It's a car parking space. It's a car he's not, yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not made to rest under <laughs> no, the it's tarmac, not. It's, is he? It's just, it's he's, just he's not, an he's iconic not buried space. under there. Frank Lampard is an unexperienced manager. He's only had two seasons, one at Derby and now one at Chelsea, nearly nearly two full seasons. So you know what it's like to have an experienced manager in charge. Yeah. When he says experience is overrated, could he perhaps have been referring to himself a little bit there as well? Maybe, but he's doing well, isn't he? You know, he's doing well. Obviously, it didn't really go well for Derby um, uh, and there was just a couple of failings there, but he still did well as his first season. And it, will he be, as a Chelsea manager, can I see him that job for five years? I think... I don't know. I think the pressure would build on him slightly next season and he starts to realise that maybe this season of let's not care too much about where Chelsea end up because of the restrictions we've had, when that disappears and pressure comes on him, that's when we'll really see if he's a good manager or not. Mm. I think he will be. I think he'll still be around the Premier League for a long, long time. So I think he might be talking about himself there, giving himself a bit of a pat on the back. Yeah, <laughs> definitely could be, you know, and I've just got, I've got huge respect for Lampard. Obviously he had a great season when um, he played for us as well. And, and it's great to see young English managers um, not only getting the opportunity to to manage big teams, but doing well at it as well. Um, I think, you know, it's, that's, that's that's brilliant for the game in general. Um, I have to say that you see, you see Fergie sat in the stands last night. He wasn't wearing his mask right, people. You, you have to put your mask over your <laughs> Knows, okay, that's kind of part of it. Just a public health warning out there for if people. One... Don't do what Fergie does. <laughs> if there's one part of Sir Alex's face he would want to cover up, it would be his nose. Have yeah, <laughs> you yeah, seen yeah. the size of him? I wonder, does he still have a bottle of red wine yesterday just that's by himself? That's why his nose is so red. The funny thing was he still had a lanyard on with it, uh, with his name on it. That oh, can you imagine reasons. someone not knowing him at no, United? Come on, come <laughs> on. It would not surprise me in the context of modern day football if someone goes, Hang on, mate. You can't come in. You don't you have your landlord. Who are you? Don't have your That'd yeah, be amazing. Exactly. It would be brilliant. It's all right. There's a free car parking space outside. Stop Charles <laughs> Park somewhere else. This has been Football Social Daily for the day. Thank you very much, Nat. Thanks, Niall. Lovely to chat. And as you, always. And you. And thank you very much, Joe McGrath. Hopefully, you're in better spirits next time. Joe. I will be. I'm always in good spirits. <laughs> just tired. <laughs> just tired. Wait, just wait tired. till you have a baby, Joe. Crikey. <laughs> I know. I was going to think you've got a baby and a dog. I can hardly complain, can I? <laughs> Anyway, I've been Niall. Thanks very much for listening to the show. Hit the subscribe button and you won't miss another episode again. We're going to have podcasts every single day for the rest of the season, which is only uh, a couple of weeks away from ending now. Also check out our new website, sport-social.co.uk, for all the latest Premier League match previews and match reports too. But that's it for today's show, and we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Begambleaware.org.